welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. All right, you back row rowdies. If you want to find your uh, way back to the place where you were sitting, that'd be great. Hi, everybody. Nice to see you on a Sunday. Does anybody notice that at every, it seems like this doesn't happen at the 9 o'clock hour, but when the sun shines at the 1030 hour, there's a rainbow that like makes its way across the screen throughout the whole hour. Have you noticed that? Just keep your eyes open. You know, just a little gift for you. Um, my name is Micah. I am one of the pastors here at Awaken. Very glad that you are with us. Uh, I want to let you know about a couple of things. First, if you're new, welcome to you. Super glad that you're here. Uh, big deal to come to a church for the first time. Um, there are, if you'd like, we'd love to know that you're with us. So in the seat pockets in front of you or online, you can click the I'm new button halfway down our homepage. Uh, let us know that you're with us. Somebody from our team will reach out, invite you to a beverage of your choice, and we can get to know you. You can get to know us. Um, also, if you have tithes and offerings for, uh, for Awaken, you participate in our life financially. We're really grateful for that. There's a number of ways you can give on the screen behind me. Also, old school, there are black boxes at the, each of the exits, so those cards or any tithes or offerings can go in there. Grateful for those. Um, today, actually, you'll hear a, a, a few stories about, um, you know, what does a dollar go to at Awaken? So, um, a couple things we want to let you know about, first of which is prom is Friday night, you guys. Oh, my gosh. I just heard there. Uh, it's going to be great. If you're, not, if you're not signed up yet, I just, sometimes I say... You know, there's something that happens in the life of the church, and, and I get this sense of, like, if you miss it, you're going to regret it. And I think this is one of those nights, okay? I'm just saying. So uh, lots to do for all kinds of folks. If you like to dance or not, um, there will be things for you to do there. Friday night, 6, 7 o'clock, um, we got a, some of you have already made your requests for our playlist. We got, a, like, a real bona fide DJ uh, it's going to be great. So that's Friday. Uh, there is also a marriage seminar workshop coming on February 17, 18, 19. If you're interested in that, actually, Andy Carr, right here. Wave, Andy. Andy is a um, licensed marriage and family therapist and is uh, offering this seminar workshop. So um, if, you are, uh, if that applies to you and you're interested in that, please join us for it. And last but not least, there is um, want to let you know Lent is happening. It's coming up very soon, February 22nd is the kickoff for Lent, Ash Wednesday. So we'll have a traditional Ash Wednesday gathering here. Uh, Good Friday, we'll have a uh, gathering on Good Friday as well. And then Easter Sunday morning. Um, If you're interested, you've never been baptized and you want to be baptized, we would love to baptize some people on Easter morning. That was like the tradition of the church. Lent was a preparatory season for baptism. Did you know that? Like early on in like the 3rd and 4th century. Uh, So... We've never done it before, and I've always said, it would be so fun to baptize people on Easter. So we just said, like, let's try it and see. But it won't be fun if there's nobody to baptize. So, and if there isn't, that's fine too. But if, if, if you're interested at all, you can email me, Micah at Awaken West 7th, um, and we can have a conversation about that. So um, I would like to introduce Troy Groves to you. Troy is on our missional team and um, also an employee of an organization we support, which you heard about this morning in our Prayers of the People, IJM. So Troy Groves, everybody. Hey. hey. Thanks. <laughs> That was better than first hour. That's true. Yeah, uh, first hour is weak. Lackluster. Weak. Um, hey, everyone. So glad to be here. So glad and honored to be a part of Awakened Community. Uh, it's just been a gift to our family. 
in so, so many ways. Um, so thank you for uh, taking the Groves family in. My daughter was singing this morning. Um, just so, so much good. And, and yet, like Micah said, I'm part of the missions team here, serve with these wonderful people and uh, strategize and pray about where to uh, share the funds that's, that are raised here and how to do good in the world. And some of that uh, local and some of it global. And I work for an orga a global organization called International Justice Mission. Um, and we are uh, the largest anti-slavery organization in the world. Uh, a number of years ago, if you had asked folks in the church uh, if they even heard of the term human trafficking, you probably, uh, was pretty foreign back then. But actually the church is leading the charge uh, in ending uh, modern day Amen. slavery around the world. So we're grateful for that and grateful for your support. And some people are well inside the conversation about anti-trafficking, and, and some uh, are new to it. Uh, but basically, the short version, there are about 50 million people in our world enslaved uh, today, more than any other time uh, in our world's history. And uh, But the good news is that uh, it's illegal in every country in the world as well. Uh, and what we like to say uh, at IJM is laws are are great, but enforcement of laws are better, and that's what we are a part of. Um, so like, uh, uh, like Awaken, we partner in the renewal of all things, partner with God in renewal of all things. Uh, one in four uh, enslaved are children, and so uh, we just want to set things right, and we want to partner with, with IJM uh, and with Awaken in this way. So IJM is uh, lawyers, investigators, and aftercare workers. Uh, that are working to end violence against the poor. There's about 1,500 uh, colleagues of mine around the world, um, and we've been around for about 25 years. Troy, how long has IGM been around? Fantastic question. Yeah, uh, 25 years. How 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 many how many people has IGM been uh, you know rescued? It, it, yeah, rescued. Y yes. <laughs> IGM has rescued over 76,000 people wow. from slavery. Wow. You can clap yeah, at that one. Good. Yes. <laughs> Grateful for that. Uh, we've, we've had over 8,000 convictions. So, um, you know, in the early days, we weren't a part of this, but the idea was you would go in and buy girls out of these situations when you were actually just feeding the industry. And so what, where you really make the difference is if uh, you could put the bad guys in jail, and that sends a ripple effect in those communities that you just can't do this anymore. And these... These people just aren't that uh, brave, and they will close things down. And uh, so we've had over 8,000 convictions, uh, and we've trained over 300,000 justice officials. So it's mind-boggling to me in 25 years that yeah. this has happened. A but any stories from the field? Yes, absolutely. And, and just to re reiterate, you're a part of all of yeah. this. Awaken is a part of all of this. So a couple of quick recent uh, rescue operation stories. Uh, this comes out of the Philippines. Uh, during COVID, uh, we were able to rescue over 100 children uh, just during the pandemic uh, from online sexual trafficking. Uh, this is a terrible, terrible uh, um, scourge on our planet where the, it has moved into the home. So the, the old version was like the storefront with the brothel in the back. That has changed primarily, and now it's moved into homes, and a lot of children are not safe in their homes. Mm. So the pandemic was a really, really difficult time for a lot of kids, and traffickers don't take a break. Uh, they will find new ways and morph with, with uh, the time. So 
uh, we don't take a break either, and Awaken has supported us through that very difficult time as well. These were two children uh, that were uh, rescued in the Philippines. Uh, we actually partnered with, uh, so this one and then the next one, um, that's a very, very young child. Uh, we partnered with the FBI in the U.S. and identified uh, the uh, perpetrator in the U.S. and worked with those officials uh, to apprehend this person. The children are uh, in aftercare and doing amazing. Uh, last picture here, uh, just to wrap up. This is out of Guatemala. This is a young girl named uh, Marielos. Uh, she's hearing impaired. She never comes from a very impoverished uh, community, never learned sign language, didn't have the ability to go to school. Uh, so her, uh, her uh, abusers thought they had the perfect victim. Uh, and it wasn't until she was uh, 15 weeks pregnant that her family realized what was happening. Um, and so a, a quote from her mom during this time, who was shocked by this, she says, uh, and this is, Marielis was 15 at the time, and she says, I went cold. She said, I couldn't wrap my head around it because for me, she's just my little girl. And here she had been abused uh, by these men in her community and silenced. But in aftercare, um, uh, she was able to learn sign language for the first time. Uh, so a day in court came where she testified uh, in her own language, in her own sign language to an interpreter, against her abusers. And these two men, uh, the first man was convicted uh, 16 years and five months in prison, and the second one for 25 years. Mm -hmm. In prison. So this is justice happening. Uh, this is the renewal of all things. Uh, this is the gravity of love that we sing and talk about. Uh, so on behalf of my colleagues uh, and the clients that we serve, thank you. One of the things we're trying to do better at is just tell the stories that happen because of you all, because of this community. Um, they, it's happening all over the place all the time, and um, much of it goes unnoticed if we don't draw attention to it. Um, so before we jump into to this morning's teaching and actually kind of following this theme of justice, I want to just pause for a moment and say, um, we were reflecting as a team about last Sunday, and... Um, we realized that um, made a, uh, an error that we was, uh, was unintentional in a lot of ways. Um, on Saturday night last week, the video footage from Tyree Nichols' uh, interaction with the police came out, and I was just unaware of it, and we were not aware of it. And we talked about justice last week, and we worshiped together as a community and didn't say anything about that. Um, and so I don't know if you were here last week and you thought, oh, that's interesting. I would, uh, I would have hoped that we might address that in some way. Um, and so that was just an honest mistake. Uh, we make them all the time. And um, want to just offer a moment of silence uh, in, in just a moment as a community um, to tune our hearts into lament and grief and the sadness uh, that many of us feel for lots of different reasons, for sure, uh, just the loss of life um, being one. Um, but I would also say, I think systemically and institutionally, um, for me, I just think uh, a failure of an institution where we continue to get results that are not desirable 
um, for lots of different reasons. And whatever your political affiliation is and whatever you think about how to engage the challenge that we as Americans face related to law enforcement, um, that's less of what this is about. And this is more about um, as a developed country in the world, like nobody dies more than in America in their interactions with law enforcement. We train our law enforcement officers less than every other developed country in the entire world. Um, there's just so many things if you start scratching the surface on it where it's like, man, something has got to change. Um, and so for me, that's, that's a, a deep lament and grief. Uh, and, and even as we talked last week about justice and the work of Isaiah, who just passed through the House uh, a bill to restore the vote for formerly incarcerated individuals. Like, that's the kind of work that matters, you know, like way upstream. Um, so I want to just offer a moment of silence that I want to invite you into um, as we think about what Troy shared and um, the world that we live in as people of faith who claim a resurrection and epiphany and light uh, and the tension that we find ourselves in, for which there, there just aren't good enough words. Um, so would you join me in a moment of silence, please? Lord, have mercy. I think about the passage in scripture that talks about the spirit groaning on our behalf and we don't know what to say or what to pray and I feel that's very much the case in moments like this where God we live in a um, as people of resurrection and as people of hope and a, of light and yet there's so many things in our world that need to be changed and transformed where uh, the light of your good news and gospel and healing and restoration um, needs to come to bear and so God for whatever part we as a community and as individuals play in that we say here we are here i am in the name of christ and by the power of the spirit amen um, this is week five of a series entitled the transformation of jesus if you have been with us uh, we're walking in the book of mark in the season of epiphany and we're asking uh, kind of applying a particular lens to this and that is uh, Jesus, the humanity of Jesus. Um, what, might have, what might he have gone through? What kind of transformational process and experience and moments might he have had that led him to the place where he could say yes to love and giving his life even for his enemy? Um, we're looking at uh, Mark chapter 3 this morning. So Stephanie, I'll ask you if you would come and read our passage. Um, for the rest of you, if you're able, I'd invite you to stand. And uh, we're going to read... Two parts from Mark chapter 3. We'll skip a little section because I'm really not going to preach about that and I want to hone in on the parts that we will read. So this is from excerpts from Mark chapter 3. Then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him for they said, he is out of his mind. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. 
Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Pray with me. God, we, uh, we gather around this story, <clears throat> these scriptures, and ask that by your spirit you would be present to us, uh, encourage us, invite us, initiate, uh, move us, God, from wherever we are to whatever is next on our journey, I pray, by the power of your spirit and in the name of Jesus. And church said together, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Has anyone ever had someone in their family say, he is out of his mind? <laughs> uh, do you remember that song by John Cougar Mellencamp, Small Town? Remember that one? I cannot forget from where it is that I come from. I can't forget the people who love me. I always think that's Bruce Springsteen. It's not. In case you're wondering, it's not the boss. It's the lesser known version of the boss, right? John Cougar Mellencamp. I, I don't even know the guy. I shouldn't have said that. That wasn't very kind. He has a good song, and he added some great things to American music. Okay, there we go. Uh, but this week, we find a very interesting interaction that Jesus has where he's engaged in a conversation about his family, about his mother, about his brothers, about his sisters, and who are his brothers and sister and mother, which invites us, I think, I mean, if we settle into Jesus' humanity, right, we think about this guy as a human being, and, and, and is it possible that Jesus, in his transformative journey as a human, is coming to understand some new things about where it is that he comes from, his hometown, the people who invested in his life, his parents, his brothers, his sisters, the systems that he was a part of, as it relates to what God is inviting him to, the direction God is asking him to, to walk and move. Is it possible that he's learning some things about that? I think it is which I would, I would invite us to consider this morning uh, similar questions about our families and where it is that we've come from. Um, a little bit of more context on this. Um, Mark and Luke are two different gospel writers. They organize the story about Jesus in different ways because they're writing for different purposes. But it's interesting that both Mark and Luke have these two interactions, one that we just read where Jesus is with his family, and, you know, uh, he, he says, like, who is my mother? Who is my brother? Uh, and then there's another one in Mark chapter 6 where Jesus goes home. He goes back to his hometown, Nazareth. And he's having some interactions with the people who are in his hometown. And he says that famous line about a prophet is not known in his own country. A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown. I often use that one in my house. You know, a prophet's not known in their own country. You know, listen up, people. I got something to say here. But a prophet's not known in his own, his own home, is he not? Is he not? So Jesus, Mark chapter uh, 3 and Mark chapter 6, he has this interaction with his family, and then he goes home, uh, and he has some, some, some time in his hometown. Luke tells the same stories, but inverse, right? He comes out of the desert after being tempted by uh, the adversary, uh, you know, about power and his identity and this relationship with appetite. And then straight away from there, he goes to Nazareth in Luke chapter 4, where he sits and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah, you know. Um, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to set the captives free, that one. And then he says, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. And, uh, and somebody says, like, isn't that Joseph's son? Right? So he goes home and he has that interaction. And then in Luke chapter 11, he's in this, this story that we just read. Um, so both Mark and Luke have both of these interactions. And um, the chronology of these events isn't as clear. 
because they're flipped in the Gospels. And that's not as important as this topic around family and the question of who is my mother, who is my father, who are my brothers, who are my sisters. So today what I want to do is I'm going to attempt to offer you um, some of my thoughts on this topic. Uh, I think and I hope these are like nuggets of wisdom around this conversation. Uh, I think, as I think about you, as I think about your journey and your transformation and your maturation as a person of faith, um, I want to use these two interactions from Mark and Luke and Jesus' sort of dialogue interaction with his family and his hometown as a springboard for these pearls of great price. Uh, And I I say that because, for me, I've earned these things. Uh, This has come from a lot of work, a lot of therapy, a lot of spiritual direction, a lot of tears. And I want to offer them to you in hopes that they might help you on your journey. You can take them or you can leave them. You can um, assess them for their value and and be on your way. But I I think that they're pearls of great price because they have cost me greatly. Um, So, that's where we're headed this morning. Are you with me? All right. Uh, The first of these pearls uh, that I have found is the following. Any spiritual transformation and growth will lead you to your family of origin. Any spiritual transformation and growth and maturing will lead you to your family of origin. I actually like Luke's ordering of these interactions that Jesus has because I've found it to be very consistent with my own life where you have this great like moment, this experience, this transformative like mountaintop camp thing, right? And then immediately when you go home, something challenges that reality. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been there where you went to camp and you're like, oh my gosh, that was so great, oh my god, like we're going to live on this high forever, oh yeah, I'll be his friend forever. And then you get home and it's just like wham, you know, you're smacked back into reality. Jesus is in the desert, right? He goes to commune with God. He's led by the Spirit. He's challenged by the adversary, the Satan, around his name, his identity as the Son of God, around uh, power and, like, who has it and and trust in in the divine, and around appetites and this relationship we have with our bodies and the flesh, right? Um, Bread, are you hungry? And, and he has this great moment where he wins. He beats the, he beats the adversary. He, he answers, he gives the Torah responses. He has a mountaintop experience. And then Luke 4, he goes home. And he's learning something about himself, about who he is, about his role in the divine drama that's being played out of, of like redemption history. And then he goes into his hometown. And he reads the scroll of Isaiah, and he says, Blessed, or the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to set the captives free, to make the lame walk, and to heal the blind. And then some Yahoo from the corner says, Isn't that Joseph's son? Isn't that the guy that threw up at Simon's bar mitzvah? Isn't that the kid that wet his pants on the playground? Do you know what, you know what I mean? Where he's just like jolted back into reality. Any spiritual transformation or growth will lead you back to your family of origin. The transformed spiritual journey of maturation goes through your hometown. There's no other way around it. Like, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. I'll say it again. The transformed spiritual journey of maturation always goes through your hometown. 
So get yourself a therapist. I'm not actually joking right now, especially men in the room. Like, listen to what I'm saying. Get yourself a therapist. Um, because Jesus comes back from, from, from the, this mountaintop experience, and immediately the expectations of his hometown are placed on him. Why? Because they remember who he was. And their vision of Jesus only is connected to who they've known him to be. Right? I remember going to college, and I came home from college. I, like, I grew up in this town. I grew up in the Midway, right? My four brothers at this church. And I go to college, and I, you know, it's like a, it's like a brand new world. I'm, my eyes are open to all kinds of new things. And I'm learning, and I'm growing, and like leaps and bounds. You know, in three months, I come from home for the holidays for the first time. And I remember vividly the tension that I experienced about what my friends and family, acutely, especially my family, remembered of me and expected me to be and do and what I was, like, the path that I felt like God was inviting me to. Because their understanding of me, their imagination of me, could only be connected to who I had been for them. Have you ever had that experience where people's expectations of you were what, based on what they knew of you? And you're like, oh my gosh, that was like 15 years ago, bro. So high school reunions are the worst for this, yeah? Where, like, you show up to that and people are like, bro, what's up, man? You want, and you're like, oh no, I, I am not that person anymore. But their expectations of, like, who you are are only connected to who they've known you to be. Your spiritual journey and transformation and maturation always go through, goes through your hometown. What did you learn about God from your mother and father? What did you learn about family from your brothers and your sisters? Like, how do you handle conflict? What's your relationship to risk? How do you handle failure? Do you find it difficult to say, I'm sorry? How do you express disappointment and anger? These are all really important questions to adulting well. <laughs> do you know where you learned how to do all those things? From your hometown, where you came from. Get yourself a therapist and do the work of understanding how it is you do what you do. Whatever comes naturally and easy for you, those well-worn pathways in your brain, you, you learned how to do that. Sometimes you got to unlearn how to do some of that. Sometimes you want to take some things with you on the journey, and sometimes you want to leave some things behind. So those relationships that have gone up in flames because of your inability to communicate or resolve conflict or say, I'm sorry. <laughs> Friends, I'm your pastor and I love you. And your maturation and your transformation, your spiritual journey always goes through your hometown. You cannot get around it. You cannot pass go. You cannot collect $200. Are you, are you listening to me right now? I love you. And I want good things for you. If you can find a spiritual director too, even better. We have a benevolence fund. If you're sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, that's easy to say, Micah, but therapy's really, it's really expensive. I know. I've been in it for the last long time. We have a benevolence fund that would love to come alongside of you. If you actually need help to find a therapist and you cannot afford one, we would love to help you do that. That's part of the, the resources of our church. Go to that work. Why? 
because your spiritual transformation and your maturation always goes through your hometown. Should I say that again? No, I, th I think you're getting it. Okay. Which leads me to the second pearl of great value. We see Jesus express it when he says, who is my mother and who is my brother? I'm going to say this with conviction, like square shoulders. I'm going to look you in the eye and I'm going to mean it because it's true. And I also know that like this is, re this is gravity. This is weighty. Not everyone is going to make the journey with you. That doesn't mean that you don't make every effort to be people of reconciliation, to be people of, like, trying. But sometimes I'm going to give you permission. There may come a time in your life when you have to recognize that not everyone can make the next leg with you on your journey. And I want to I normalize that. I remember being uh, a young pastor, a young church planter, and I went to a leadership summit by Will Willow Creek Leadership Summit. You know, They offered this thing. They live-streamed it to the world before live-streaming was a thing. And the former pastor of the church told this story about like the greatest gift God had ever given him in 25 years of ministry, all the things that had happened at Willow, all the lives changed. One of the greatest gifts he had ever been given was that the sixth couples that he started this church with were with him 25 years later. And I remember starting awake, and I was like, oh, man, this is going to be awesome. Like, we're going to start this church, and all my friends, we're going to do this. Because why would you start something so meaningful with people you don't care about? That's dumb. So we gathered the people we really cared about. And we're like, you want to do this? They're like, yeah, let's take the hill. Ah. We start awakening. Do you want to know how many of those people are left? Like four. Of which there were like 25. It was a setup. It was a total setup, and I never saw it coming. I got robbed by a little old lady on a motorized bike. <laughs> I didn't realize it. I didn't know. No one told me this, that there may come a point along the way when some people aren't going to be able to keep going with you. I remember sitting at the Liffey downtown before it closed, the Irish pub across from the XL Center, 2012, before the marriage amendment vote. Do you guys remember that in Minnesota? Huge, you know, lots of debate, lots of conversation. And I remember sitting with my four brothers, my blood brothers. And the conversation turned to that, and it went sideways really fast. This was like the beginning of my journey, which has led me here. Everyone tracking? Okay. And I remember leaving that conversation, and I cried all the way home. Because nobody told me. Like, nobody warned me that this may come, this may happen, where there may be people that you care deeply about that, that just aren't, aren't able to go where you're going. And you sense, and, and, and I, again, I, like, I, I say this with all humility, but like all seriousness. I hear the stories of the people that call this place home. And I know where many of you have come, where you grew up in a, in a, a system of, of religion and Christianity that was good for its time, and you, you're committed to Jesus, but you just can't keep going in that. You, gotta, you, gotta, you can't stay there, rather. you got to keep going. And so you found Awakening, and you're like, here we are, and there are people who are asking you questions about it. They're praying for you because you're here. I know that. I know. And I want to just... 
I want to normalize this part of the journey, this part of spiritual transformation and, and, and maturity, that there may be some who aren't able to make the next leg of the journey. And this is not something that you're going to have to do once and then it's over. <laughs> I, 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 sadly, this last week I was at a, uh, Jenna and I are doing this embodied racism cohort and so we're trying to understand like how whiteness happens in our bodies and how that goes out into the world. And if we want to be like actively opposing racism in ourselves and in the world, we got to learn how it happens in our bodies. That's the point of this thing. So end of this day, we're having this, uh, our, our guide leads us in this exercise. And uh, at one point, she leads us to this place and says like, is there anything that you're experiencing as heavy? And it was just like, and I like, I, I literally, in my mind's eye, I, I saw my heart. And I thought of this picture. You're not going to be able to see it, but if you want to come up afterwards. I saw this. This was given to me in like very early on in Awakens history. And this is a heart. And there's all these tiny little people who are holding it. And there are these two hands. And there are these numbers, which is the latitude and longitude of this church. And this was a gift to me. Somebody who said, like, Micah, we can hold you. We can hold your heart. And as I was in that, I, she said, is there anything that's heavy? And it was like, my heart is so heavy right now. And I wrote in my journal, I said, my heart is heavy because it's becoming clear that I'm losing brothers and sisters in a family that I've been traveling with. And I'm sad because they don't want to keep going. But for the first time, I'm, I'm open to the new people who can hold my heart and have my back in the next season. So who are my brothers and who are my sisters? Time will tell. And friends, last thing I'll say about this is you should grieve those losses because that's what they are. You can name them and grieve them and cry, be angry, do what you do, but you got to go through it. Because you can't keep carrying it. Like you, you have a funeral and you take those things out of your backpack and you name them and you celebrate them for what they were and then you put them in the ground and you bury them and you move on. Because you can't keep carrying all the hurts that you've had in your life. You got to like walk through it. And those folks may come back around. Who knows, right? Like we're people of the resurrection. You can keep praying for that. But I want to just normalize like this experience because no one prepared me for it and it, was, it has been and is devastating at times. But it's, it's necessary. And you may find yourself there. So I want to give you tools to walk it out. Which leads me to a final point. And that is that the kingdom of God and the water of baptism is thicker than blood. Now you might say, Micah, there's a G missing in your king kingdom. And I know that that would be the obvious answer, the kingdom of God, but I actually want to say the kingdom of God. The water of baptism is thicker than blood. What do I mean by that? If you ask people who have served in the military, like, who are your brothers? Who are your sisters? They will often say, the people that I was in the trenches with. The people who I was in common bond through mission with become brothers and sisters 
in a way that your blood never can be. Like, that supersede, that go beyond, right? How many of you have seen the Band of Brothers? They, they weren't brothers, just so you know, okay? But that's the power of common mission and, and a bond, that, 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 like something that we do together. Did you know that the first sermon given in the Covenant Church at the annual meeting when it first started in 1885 was from Psalm 119? And in that psalm, the psalmist says, I am a companion of all who fear thee. What is said? What, what, what are they getting at? That there is a bond, a common bond among the body of Christ that goes beyond blood, that goes beyond tribe, that goes beyond nation. This is the vision in Revelation. Every knee and every, every head, right? Like every knee, every bow. Or, no, no, that was at camp. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, right? Like there, a new family. Ephesians chapter 2, what is Christ doing? He's bringing a new humanity, divide, taking down the walls that divide us and bringing us together as one in Christ. Friends, there is something possible in the body of Christ that I cannot explain and that I will only testify to because it's true. I called my friend Judy after this meeting uh, on Thursday. We chatted. We were FaceTiming. I was in my shop. There's sawdust flying everywhere. It was a beautiful moment. And I told her about this experience that I had, and I said, Judy, I'm just sad. I'm so sad that not everybody's going to make the flight. And at the end of that conversation, she stared with her steely eyes into the camera, and she said, Micah, I love you, and I'm proud of you, and I promise you I will make the flight. She's not my sister. Her last name's Howard Peterson. It's not with them. She doesn't know about Grandma Jeannie's dinner rolls. She doesn't know about her banana cream pies. She doesn't know about all the things of my family, but she's my sister. Why? Because we are bound together in the gospel love of Jesus Christ going out into the world, restoring and renewing everything that it comes in contact with. And that bond goes beyond blood. It's deeper than that. I don't understand it. I, don't, I can't like, give you like, all the, the but, it, but it's true and it's real, and I'll testify to it. And so I'll say to you this morning, if you find yourself in a place where you're, you're in that tension between, I, I got to keep going, I'm committed to this Jesus guy, and I got to keep going, I, I'm sorry, but I, I, I can't stay in my hometown, and I can't be what you've expected me to be or you want me to be, I got to keep going because I'm finding life and hope and light this way. So I got to keep following it. If you find yourself there and you're in this tension where you're like, gosh, that's heartbreaking. Like, who's going to come with me? I'm, I hear you. I see you. Let's cry the tears we got to cry. And, and then look around you. There are people in this room, a whole other service. Did you know there's two services at this church? There's a whole other room of people. You don't even see them on Sundays. But they're all saying yes to the light and love and hope that we're finding in the, in the good news, gospel, resurrected life of Jesus Christ and that going out into the world. And we're saying we're in for that. And that bond goes beyond blood. And if you get the great gift of getting to do it with your brother or your sister or your father or your mother, like, we'll celebrate with you because that's so sweet. It's like, it's so beautiful. But it doesn't happen for everybody, Amen. And when it doesn't happen, the body of Christ becomes this, like, surrogate family 
where we, we become adopted in and we become brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and aunties and uncles to and for one another. And so if you're new around here, this is, this is like worse than Am, Amway, you know. I mean, we're, we're all in on this thing, you know what I mean? It's like the possibilities are endless. <laughs> you know what I mean? I remember getting one of those calls. It was called Quick Star. Do you guys remember? Did everyone ever get that one? Like, what kind of car do you want to drive? Like, I don't really care. I don't really like cars. I drive a piece. But if you could pick any car, what kind of car would you want? Like, you're missing the point here. I don't care. This is better than that. It's way better than that. So as I close, I think that there's some wisdom because I've learned it and I've experienced it. And I offer it to you today, like, humbly. And I want to remind you of, like, hope, like good news. That there is a community of people here who are, like, saying yes to a common mission, a common a bond that brings us together. And that isn't our ideologies. It's not our political affiliation. It's not our tribe, nation, it's not, it's not our socioeconomic state. It's none of these things that, that divide the world up. It's the life and teachings, the death and resurrection of this one guy named Jesus. That's what we're saying yes to. And in that, there is a tapestry being wove together of our hearts and our lives and, and things going out into the world, like good news going out into the world because of it. And man... Like, if you can find something better to give your life to, knock yourself out. Go for it. But I'm telling you, this is it. So, yes or no? Are you with us? Let's go. Out into the world with good news and light and hope and transformation, reconciliation, justice, yeah? Bound together. In the love and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have life groups at Awaken. They're like outside of this gathering. You know, there's like these sociological groupings. You know, like small intimate groups of three. And then like groups of ten. And then like groups of twenty-five. Like all of our lives are organized in this way. Where we have these small intimate. Usually it's the nuclear family. Sometimes it's not. But it serves as that. And then this kind of like, who do you barbecue with? And... Who do you go to the ball games with? And then, like, who are the groups of people that you kind of agree with in terms of value? That's how we organize our life. And we actually do that at Awaken also. We'd invite you to, like, find that in our community. There's lots of life groups. Some of them are open. There's new ones that are starting. There's spiritual direction groups. We're on mission together. I mean, come on, guys. This is, this is, this is pretty good. So that's all I have. That's all I have for today. That's all I have. Uh, and uh, if, you, if you don't want to join and you need to find me and you need to find me, you'll know where to find me, okay? So pray with me if you will. God, as we take a moment today to pause and consider the words of Jesus, who is my mother and who is my brother? Who is my sister? And we think about where it is that we've come from. And how we learned how to do what we do. And be, how to be who we are. 
as we think about the journey that we sense you inviting us on and the bond of Christian community. Holy Spirit, I would ask that you would just do your work in the next few moments to, to bring to light, to, to bring energy and, and like make, make something shimmer that we need to pay attention to, I pray. Holy Spirit, do your work now. As we close this morning, I want to invite you to respond in a couple of ways. Mel's going to lead us in song, and uh, there's communion available on my right and left. Um, FYI, as you come to communion, you're going to see a bag of Cheez-Its on either side. Don't, don't be alarmed. Um, we may run out of communion bread, and Jenna's not feeling well. Not, you know, all know that's her like worst nightmare. Um, she actually has nightmares about that. And it might happen today. And so, you know, I was resourceful. I'm a problem solver. And so I just found, like, the closest thing I could find to bread. At one point, a Cheez-It was, like, flour. And it's the same things that bread is. It's just a couple other added items. So if you find that you come up for communion and there's no bread, there are Cheez-Its available. And we'd invite you to take either a piece of bread or a Cheez-It and dip it in the cup. There is red wine and there's white grape juice. And we're laughing, and we should be. But you know what? That is telling a story. Whether it's a Cheez-It or a piece of bread. And that story is that you are welcome. You're invited. So if you're beat up and you're a little sore and you need somebody to say welcome, like, just come on up and eat till you're full. Well, friends, I was thinking about the whole flight metaphor. There's other planes like going to that, going to the destination, you know, they just might not be on your plane. You know what I mean? Like this train's bound for glory. So is that one. So is that one. I think that's important to say too. You know what I mean? You get one shot at this. One wild and precious life. And you gotta choose how to live it. What path you're gonna take. And that will inevitably draw people to and from along the way. I guess that's the wisdom I want to get at today. How to do that well. How to walk that out with integrity and with, with honesty and vulnerability. And not, um, but we will feast in the house of Zion. With all the brothers and sisters. Baptists, Methodists, Catholics, right? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the church said together with joy in their hearts.
grace and peace. Love you guys. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.